Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the week of sports tonight. I'm your host, Tom Tommy G. We got the we got the panel back, world's best panel. I'd like to welcome the Philadelphia legend, Mr. Don Henderson, and Atlanta legend, Mr. Roy 
Mr. Roger Hendler, and a Tampa Bay legend, Mr. Roy Cummings, and freshman analysis, Frank Carroll. Roy, I got to tell you a funny story real quick. You know, I wish you could have been with us today to play golf with Rick and the Chief, and Rick's trying to get a, try to get a hold of you this week. So that was a, that was a fun day with those guys. Hockey story swap back and forth. <laughs> so, welcome aboard, guys. Yeah, no, here, no parade here we go for you, again. Huh, Tommy. What's that, Rod? <laughs> no parade for you today. No, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Fans, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. Support the Bucks. Congratulations, <laughs> what they did. Great for the city of Tampa, but no. For parade. Now, here's what they did. They took advantage of what Jeff Finnick did for the lighting, how to parade on the water. I mean, yes, I, yeah, I heard some... that, yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing, Tommy, and Roy would probably know a little bit more about it. Maybe he saw it in person. I did not. I, I did not see the parade, obviously, but uh, <laughs> it, it was Tom Brady bought his new $2 million boat up for the parade. He, uh, he was on the boat all by himself, but the interesting thing was he went to the uh, the rear of the boat and threw the Lombardi Trophy to a boat that was behind him. <laughs> oh my God! People couldn't believe it. People couldn't believe it. But Roy probably knows a little more about it than I do. Roy, what happened? <laughs> yeah, if you want to see it, guys, it's uh, it's out there on social media, and there's a couple of different uh, angles of it. Uh, there's some distant angles from fans uh, along the shore, and there's actually one angle from uh, the receiving boat. Uh, I mean, that thing comes right into the camera view. So uh, add another completion and another pass attempt to Tom Brady's uh, Super Bowl uh, record. This time he completed uh, a pass with the, the trophy itself. Uh, a little bizarre, but uh, let's face it, the, I mean, the guy can do no wrong, it seems. And uh, so uh, I'm sure uh, Roger Goodell, if he, when he saw that, he probably uh, just about lost his lunch. If that thing had right. not been completed and broken or fallen into the into the bay, that was, I tell you what, it would have it would have gone up there with Stanley Cup lore, because uh, that trophy's obviously been uh, been through a lot uh, of history. But uh, that was pretty interesting, and yeah, a lot of fun today in Tampa with people uh, lining up for the boat parade, and uh, yeah, very similar to what the I mean, the exact same thing as the Lightning. Um, you know, hey, I, I think Tampa's got a new uh, new way of celebrating. I mean, let's let's face what? it. Uh, we we live on it. We live on a you know in, in an area here. We got peninsulas all over, and why not do boat mm-hmm. parades? It's uh, it's probably cheaper and uh, uh, for for the, for the city, and uh, it's probably better for the community to get out there and watch it that way. It's a little bit safer, maybe. Uh, although obviously, put people on boats, things can happen. But uh, hey, you know what? Uh, it's a unique way to celebrate. It's it's a Tampa way of celebrating. Uh, I don't. You, you got to feel like this may not be the uh, the last boat parade we have in Tampa. We got some pretty good uh, sports teams here right now, guys. Well, so if, if the trophy went in the bay, he'd have to hire the frog man to get down and get it. But I, I don't think that would take much out of his budget. <laughs> no, probably not. If he can afford the boat, and he certainly can. Uh, it's nothing for him at all. Uh, you know what? It wouldn't have surprised me at all if somebody uh, from one of the somebody from the team who missed the, the pass would have dived in and got it anyway. So right. <laughs> that's pretty interesting, though. I mean that that would have been that would have been a definite issue, though. I mean uh, he's he obviously feeling pretty confident about himself. He made a good pass. That's obvious. Roy, always switch gears. Uh, you gotta you gotta say a little bit about the defense. Uh, 
the young man out of Temple University uh, did not have much success as head coach for the New York Jets, uh, primarily because he didn't have much talent. But what a job he did in this game, the championship game, from a defensive standpoint. He just shut down Kansas City. Yeah, he really did. I mean, completely dominated the game. You're right. Uh, this this game was won more with defense than offense. I mean, obviously, uh, Tom Brady had the two pass touchdown, touchdown passes to Gronkowski and uh, had a couple other opportunities. You know, I mean, they certainly got their points. But, again, at the end of the day, guys, uh, the defense just completely flummoxed uh, Kansas City's offense. They had no idea what was coming. And, yeah, you got to give a lot of credit, obviously, to Todd Bowles and, and, and the work he did there and uh, putting together that defense. They only blitzed five or six times in all in the first half. Uh, they realized by the uh, second half they could get there with four, um, which I think uh, is a result of uh, two things. Number one, you can't uh, take out of the equation the fact that Kansas City was missing uh, two two offensive tackles, the starting two tackles. That was a big factor. But the bigger factor, guys, in my opinion, was at no point did Kansas City adjust to the fact that they didn't have their two tackles. I think they went into the game with the game plan of, hey, we're going to do what we do. This is how we got here. We're going to stick with it. We're going to do what we do. And these guys will protect. Well, when they found out after the first quarter and certainly the first half that they couldn't protect properly, with, uh, with those two tackles. And I'll throw a stat at you guys. 92% of the pass plays that uh, that uh, were run by Kansas City were run with five-man protections. So they did nothing to help right. the tackles. And the, the more bizarre thing is not even knowing that stat, but just seeing it happen live, you have to wonder why no adjustment was made to change up the game plan by Kansas City. Uh, I, I think, look, I'm not going to say Kansas City handed Tampa Bay the game. They didn't. Tampa Bay went out and took it. But uh, Kansas City sure helped them out by not making any adjustments uh, when it was apparent that just doing what they do wasn't going to work this particular Sunday. Roger? Yeah, you know, I don't know whether it's uh, my phone, but I'm getting a lot of, uh, like, interference. I don't know what what it is. Somebody, somebody's breathing that. right in. Somebody's breathing yeah, right in. Somebody's breathing exactly right. right in. Yeah, that's I, okay. I don't know what it is, but anyway, uh, Roy, I, and I'll tell you a, c- a couple things. Uh, uh, Charlie Weiss had a very good insight today, but not about the Super Bowl. He talked a lot about that, but you know, that, it was a uh, a non-game probably from early in the third quarter on. But uh, it, it's all about the Eagles and about how screwed up the organization is. And, and to quote him, uh, he said that uh, they have uh, d- done the worst job in the free world uh, to uh, handle this Carson Wentz situation. Yeah, it's Are you hard there? to argue with that. The, yeah, I am. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I know that the interference has gone too, guys. So, But, yeah, you know what? I can't disagree with that. Um, I mean, they really have kind of screwed this thing up. Look, the Eagles are a, they're just a hot they're just a hot mess right now, guys. I mean, they are. Um, th- there was a time when that organization seemed to have it all going for them, and boy, in two quick years, uh, they have completely lost their, their direction. And, and look, I don't have a problem with uh, deciding that you're going to go with Jalen Hurts if he's going to be your quarterback going forward. But um, you know, and, and moving Wentz, but I just I just think they're kind of going about it the wrong way, and. Uh, you know, look, I was not a really a necessarily a fan of firing the head coach. I'm not sure that was really the issue. 
Uh, I'm not sure the talent is all that good. Um, but, but boy, they have really screwed up this Carson Wentz thing. Uh, look, I still think he's a capable quarterback. Um, interesting that uh, Chicago's uh, going after him. We'll see what happens here. But, uh, you know, I, I can't disagree with Charlie Weiss on that point at all. It, uh, the Eagles have really messed up not just that, but a lot of things here in the last, uh, last 12, 14 months at least. How many quarterbacks can Chicago try out before they finally find one? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll bet they're wishing they'd have gone after Tom Brady, right? Uh, yeah, it looks, it looks like there's no end to, to their attempts to do that. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if they draft another one uh, this year. I mean, they're going to be in position probably, depending on how the draft looks. But uh, if they can't get Carson Wentz, um, you know, they, they just may draft another one. Uh, yeah, they, they, you know what, they're not, they're not much better. Uh, Carson Wentz is probably looking at that situation and saying, "I'm going from bad to worse." Uh, Chicago, at least, at least in can- in, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, I've got a team in a division that's uh, sort of uh, up for grabs, and a lot of teams in transition here. Whereas you go to uh, you go to the to, you know you go to that uh, division with Chicago and Detroit. Uh, you know, there's a couple of teams there that obviously a little bit uh, figured 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 a few things out. So it could be a little bit tougher for them there. Frank? Yeah, I, I, I read the. Uh, I read in the Enquirer this morning uh, a, a a piece that I thought was was very cogent was that they say that if you get rid of Carson Wentz now, it would be the biggest uh, flaw in the um, chain of, of events with the Eagles. They feel that he uh, he does have a lot to give. He's just not been given the correct direction, and uh, he's been misused. Like Roy said, he's been misused, mishandled, whatever you want to say. That's you. Uh, it's almost like you read that whole co- column, uh, Roy. Oh, and, and I did. Give me a second, uh, Roy. Frank, whatever you did, you took the interference off. So whatever switch yeah, you just threw. Goodness. Go ahead. Go ahead, Roy. Love this back. Now it's back. Well, I spoke too soon there, Don. But but either way, no. I, I, yeah, I, I did not read that column. But yeah, I don't think anybody can look at the situation in Philadelphia and say that uh, yeah, Carson Wentz has been in essence abandoned um, by the organization. They haven't done a good job building around him. Uh, they haven't done a good job of supporting him uh, when things have gotten tough. Uh, you know, look, we all watched a lot of Eagles games this year and saw what was Carson Wentz supposed to do. Um, you know, he, he could have played a little bit better at times, but I don't know that you could ask him to do much more than he was doing, trying to move the team down the field with, uh, no weapons, virtually, uh, a defense that really couldn't help him in any way and uh, not much protection. I mean, uh, he, he was, he was, you know, constantly under pressure, uh, having to throw the ball early, seldom have ever had a chance to step into his throws. If a quarterback doesn't have a chance to, to, you know, mechanically go through, his progressions the way he's supposed to, he's going to have trouble. And, um, you know, we saw this past Sunday uh, with, uh, with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, th- that's what right. happens when defenses attack quarterbacks effectively. They, quarterbacks become ineffective. You can move the pocket around. Sure, you can do that. You can make some adjustments here and there to help your guy out. But uh, at one, sooner or later, it's going to come crashing down on you. And, uh, and that's what's happened with Carson Wentz. I'll tell you what. I think um, if Carson Wentz is actually for for sale, and it appears he is, I, if I'm the Eagles, and maybe this is why this hasn't happened so quickly, 
I'm listening to everybody, and I got to think there's at least half a dozen teams out there, maybe more, that are saying, okay, we'll take him. And uh, because if you don't want him, we'll take him. And, you know, I, I think, again, I would, I would take Carson Wentz over anybody coming out of the draft except maybe uh, Lawrence. But uh, I, I think the guy, as, as was said in the column, and as, uh, as Roger pointed out, yeah, there's still a lot to give there, I believe. Well, I, I agree with you and, and Don and everything in the uh, column, too. Be, uh, I'll tell you, Roy. And, and it, it looks like, you know, the number one uh, recruiter is uh, Indianapolis because of Frank Rick. Or Reich, I'm sorry. And uh, he had him, you know, he was the offensive coordinator when, uh, when Carson came in. But the guy that's the problem, and I don't care what, and everybody pretty much agrees, it's Howie Rosen at Roseman. And, and when you think about it, the Steelers have had that I can remember, uh, you know, going Chuck, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and uh, Mike Tomlin. The Eagles during Howie Roseman's tenure have already had four coaches. And, you know, and that was Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid, and then uh, Kelly, and and then uh, Doug, and, and now you have the uh, uh, the new coach. Okay, so I mean it, it's ridiculous, it, absolutely ridiculous. And the guy, this talent evaluation is awful because they uh, have just not really brought anybody in that uh, has contributed to the team in a number of years, really. Roger, it's a great point, and and you want to know the best way to destroy a good good young quarterback, in my opinion, in the NFL, is to have him go through a new coordinator or new head coach every year. Right. I've seen it happen so many times here in Tampa, um, where where players who who had a, the ability to become uh, competent, good, solid NFL quarterbacks were basically destroyed because. Every year they're learning a new system. Every year they're learning a new a group of players because you brought in a new coordinator who does something a little bit different. You know, these guys don't necessarily fit the bill. So uh, you got to go out. When you bring in new coordinators or new coaches, you bring, you know, when it's, it starts with the head coach. You bring in a new coach, you bring in a new coordinator. Bring in a new coordinator, bring in new systems. And when you bring in new systems, you bring in new players. And, and they try to do this repeatedly in some cities. And Philadelphia, is, you know, they're doing it now. I mean, granted, some of their – you know, guys have, you know, gotten away and gotten better jobs. But at the end of the day, you, you want to try to keep some of these head coaches and coordinators intact. And uh, because especially if you have a young quarterback, because uh, taking those guys away and forcing these young guys to learn new systems and new schemes and uh, new players when they're trying to still adjust to the league, it, uh, it really hurts them. And I think Carson Wentz has suffered from that uh, just as uh, so many other quarterbacks have across the league. I think that's a problem right now. And, uh, you know, for him to go back to Frank Wright, I, I tell you what, I agree, Don, I, 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 Roger, I think that would be the best spot for him. I'd love to see him go there. I think that would be a, a seamless transition for him. And I think in that division, uh, he would automatically make Indianapolis uh, a, a real strong team there. And, and you know, uh, I think a contender right there with Tennessee and uh, it put him ahead of Houston, that's for sure. Yeah. Roy, coming back to the present day, uh <laughs> Bruce Arians talked uh, really right after the game on, on uh, not only local TV in Tampa, but also on national TV on, on ESPN uh, of how assured he's going to be that he's going to be able to keep a lot of these players intact. 
Well, uh, what do they have? Thirty-two million, I think, uh, in cap space available. But boy, oh boy, they got a lot of pretty cheap players. And uh, even today, the major columns in the paper uh, that he is very, very optimistic he's going to be able to keep this crew together. That is very tough to do. It is tough to do, but you're right. They've got a lot of money under the cap. Uh, I think they've got uh, several players who are high-priced guys uh, who are willing to take a pay cut uh, or maybe give the team a hometown Super Bowl slash discount um, or slash Super Bowl discount, I should say, uh, to stay there. Uh, Look, these guys were hungry to just get to the playoffs. They just tasted winning a Super Bowl. I'd be surprised if Levante David now chases the money. I'd be surprised if, uh, you know, you could see Indomitian Sue do it maybe, um, but Leonard Fournette might do it. But but I think for the most part, I think you're going to see guys stick around and uh, and want to be a part of this because look what what is what is there to show what is there that says any to anybody that this team can't do it again. There is nothing, in my opinion, that says this team can't do it again. Um, this team struggled through the first seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve weeks of the season, caught fire, played better football every week after that down the stretch, and got better every week during the playoffs. With three of those games on the road, guys, uh, they kind of earned their their home game finally after so much time on the road in the playoffs, and they played their best football game of the season in the Super Bowl game. I don't think anybody wants to leave. I think everybody's willing to take a little bit less money to stay. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to get ripped off. I think the Bucks have the money to pay most of these guys, but the ones who are making the most money, uh, guys like Mike Evans, some of those guys, I think they're willing to pay take less so that other guys can stay and they can keep this group together. I, I'll tell you something else that I'll bet happens here. Um, because they're so kind of uh, ingrained in the community, uh, I, I would not be surprised at all if already, uh, but it may not be, it may be a little bit too soon for this, but very soon, guys like uh, Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, um, uh, John Lynch, guys who are around, John Lynch won't do it because he's not, he can't do it, but, but guys like, guys, former Buccaneers players, former Buccaneers greats who were on that Super Bowl team, Tony Dungy would probably do this. They'll go to those guys and say, keep it together. We thought we had two or three Super Bowls left in us as well in 2002 when we had four Hall of Famers on the team, and it didn't happen. You've, you never know when you're going to get another chance. Your best chance is to keep this group together, and I'll bet that Derek Brooks is going to be in Levante David's ear and other players are going to be in other players' ears saying, keep this group together. You've got another shot at it. Play this thing out with Tom Brady as long as he's willing to do it. As long as you've got him, other players are going to want to come here. I mean, we're already hearing about uh, 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 Peterson uh, wanting to come to Tampa. (laughs) I don't know what J.J. Watt's situation is, but if he wants to win a Super Bowl and get out of Houston, come to Tampa, my friend, because right now I think this team's about as well-suited to win a Super Bowl as anybody. Well, I think one big key factor is uh, the recruiting by Tom. I mean, Tom really, when you look at the key players that that, uh, we looked at on Sunday, I mean, Tom put his hand on these guys that brought him in. Right. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, he, and, and he'll do it again. Again, you just saw Tom Brady play as good a football as he can play. Uh, he, looks, he looks like he's lost nothing. Uh, he led this team, which was just lost. They were rudderless. Well, I wouldn't say rudderless because they, they, had, they had a direction, but they just didn't know which way to go. But they, they were struggling a year ago. 
He turned them into Super Bowl champions. Again, there's nothing to believe that they can't do it again. And I, I can just see, you know, uh, you know, half a dozen guys kind of saying, hey, I'm a free agent. Guess what? I want to win a Super Bowl. Before I'm done with this thing, I want to win a Super Bowl. And I know I can go and at least be a contender for it in Tampa Bay, where, by the way, I don't see New Orleans being as strong next year as they are right now or were this year, uh, right. especially if Drew Brees leaves. Uh, Atlanta seems to be in a bit of a transition, even if, uh, you know, even if uh, Ryan stays. Uh, Carolina's still trying to figure things out. Uh, they might have a quarterback change as well, so we'll see what happens there. Right now, Tampa's easily the favorite to win the division. If they win the division, they could easily get a bye. They could be, a, you know, they could be at home for a, a playoff game or two. It could be, a, 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 I'm not going to say an easy road to the playoffs, but an easier road than they had this year. And, again, if everybody stays healthy, there's just every reason to believe this team can do a lot of special things next year. So, uh, yeah, uh, recruit by Tom, absolutely. He's your best uh, asset right now. (laughs) Bruce Arians and Jason Lycan sit back and say, Tom, go get who you want. (laughs) Right. Well, I got to say this. Yeah, we all have to be happy. Justice prevailed. John Lynch is going into the Hall of Fame. That's all I can Yeah, very happy say. for him. It's, uh, it's, it's obviously, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's overdue. Um, he, he certainly deserved it. And, again, I, I, said, I said this to you guys a couple years ago, and, and I'll say it again, and I honestly believe this. John Lynch embodies in every way, on the field and off the field, he embodies everything that uh, the NFL Shield is supposed to stand for. It doesn't always stand for these things, for integrity, class, character, uh, and right. hard play on the field, uh, and 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 uh, you know excellence on the field, but uh, in every way, uh, the, everything that shield is supposed to stand for, John Lynch embodies that, and so does Rondé Barber, by the way, guys. And um, the Hall of Fame is better with John Lynch in it, and it'll be even better when Rondé Barber gets there, and I believe he will. I thought we might have a chance to talk to Iris tonight and see how all the uh, conversation went in the in the selection committee room. Uh, and hopefully, maybe next week uh, we can get get our on your buddy and and uh, talk a little about it because uh, he was very very hopeful and uh, as you said, we all talked about the number of times that he's been on there. He's been on the cusp and just didn't get over the top, but this time he did. Yeah, I think what got him over the top this time was the addition of some people to the veterans committee, the addition of a couple of uh, former executives and coaches uh, into the panel. Uh, I think uh, a lot of uh, yeah, I'll go out and say it. I, I think a lot of sense was uh, talked into some of the people on that uh, on that board. Uh, there's a lot of guys there, and you know, to me, it's 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 an interesting way of trying to, you know, vote for Hall of Famers. You've got at least one person from every market, but some of those people don't know the history of the NFL that well. There are, there are people on that you know who have votes for the Pro Football Hall of Fame who never saw some of these players play, and you know you're you know you're going to have that at times, but. Um, uh, it's it's a tough vote. Bo- it's a tough vote. There's a lot of politics involved, and I think uh, I think some of the veteran committee people and uh, the, the coaches that they brought in and the executives they brought in made them part of the panel. Uh, I think they talked some sense into some guys, and uh, and people are see- seeing things a little bit different in that room now. Roger, yeah, well, I'll tell you the uh, I thought that it was very well handled since it was uh, doing you know virtual uh, presentation. Uh, I wish they had had it all compact together at one time, uh, but David Baker going all over, and I thought the the best was uh, the last 
was Peyton Manning when they had uh, all these coaches and players that uh, uh, were part of his life. Uh, and, you know, was surprised. I mean, he knew he was going to be going in. He had to feel certain about that. But I thought the way that was orchestrated at the uh, end, end of the uh, of the show, I was not impressed with the NFL awards presentation, the show, period. But uh, that's my opinion. But I thought that the, at the end it was really well done for Peyton. Tommy? Yeah, I can't disagree with there. Tommy fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Roy. Well, what did you guys think of the NFL uh, awards show compared to the past? I, well, I, 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 gotta gotta honest, I didn't see it, guys. I can oh, always you tell you this. I, I taped that halftime show because I'll tell you, I'm trying to replay it every morning around 8.30 or 9 o'clock because it was so riveting. Uh, I didn't know the <laughs> fellow's name, and I still don't know his name. <laughs> But whoever the hell he is, <laughs> that had to be the all-time worst halftime show I've ever seen. <laughs> His name is The Weekend, Don. <laughs> <laughs> and he was The Weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Don, a little I'll muddled. You, the, the, the awards uh, show, you know, on Saturday night, I mean, I think it's normally – been a really classy show uh you know reed and i were watching it like the first 15 minutes was this guy singing who i you know putting on a perform. i had no idea who that guy was okay <laughs> but i'm old we're old what can i say well, we got we got billy wordell standing by in the wings right now and uh, once again roy always a great half roy, hour with great you and- it was a it was a great weekend in tampa it was a great weekend in tampa florida all right, Thanks, we go over now to Billy, Billy Wardell, uh, one of the outstanding sports people in Philadelphia. Uh, Billy and I have known each other for a long, long period of time and uh, has had so many very, very key jobs in Philly, working for the ABC station, the CBS station, out in San Diego, and now back in Philadelphia again. Billy Wardell, uh, once again, I know you have some very solid time. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that halftime performance. Who was that fellow? <laughs> I fell asleep. <laughs> Please, these halftime shows, thirty minutes, and you know, give, give me a break. Let's, let's, you know, I understand it's an event, not a sporting event. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an event that's supposed to appeal to na- the masses. Well, you know, you, you, again, you, you have a segment of the population you're appealing to. You guys talked about you you can't relate with that. Well, that, that, you have to be careful when you, you present something like that. You have to be able to uh, appeal to the masses, not one segment of the audience, which they're trying to garner. Yeah, you're well, right, Bill. I hope, they, I hope they got that segment because it certainly wasn't in my house. No, <laughs> probably not. You Billy, let's talk, talk a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about the game. Uh, your thoughts, uh, looking at it from Philadelphia, as opposed to where we are here in the Tampa area, and, and uh, a lot of folks obviously rooting for Tampa that are right here was the second leading, uh, which surprised me a little bit. Kansas City had the leading uh, market television audience. Boston had the second. All wanted to see Tom Brady. I don't know whether they wanted to see him lose or win, but they were the second highest. And Tampa was number three. 
that surprised me a little bit as far as the uh, percentage of people that had the game on at the same time. Well, well, Donna, it's interesting. You mentioned Kansas City. Of course, you know, they were hoping for a a repeat of uh, the previous year. And then, of course, you mentioned uh, New England. Everybody was looking in, like, to see if Brady was going to be the man or was Brady going to be the GOAT. And Brady stepped up big time. And, of course, you mentioned Tampa Bay, which is a growing, growing market. And you look at Tampa Bay, and I salute Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and Todd Bowles for the tremendous game plan they put together. I mean, Todd Bowles really, really confused the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And people were saying after the game, the, the, the adjustments were not made by Kansas City. Now, I know there was a lot of things weighing on Andy Reid's mind because of the this tragedy that occurred uh, with his son on Thursday night prior to the Super Bowl. But he made no adjustments whatsoever to the two deep uh, safeties. And they just kept, came really roaring at Mahomes. They made him throw off the spot. They, they, they put a lot of duress on him. So, I mean, uh, you know, and teams are going to look at this now and say, hey, is this the way we slow down Patrick Mahomes? People are saying, well, his offensive line was a mess and all that. Well, if your offensive line's a mess, then run the football. When he right. ran the football, they, they were pretty effective. Because Tampa ran 4-2-5, four, four down linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs, all right? So you want to run the ball. And I know they have got two great linebackers in Levante, David, and Kevin White. But if you run right at them, and Kansas City proved a couple of times that they could run against them, and they abandoned the run. That's not the way you win football games. Roger? Bill, yeah, we talked about it uh, earlier. I mentioned that uh, today on uh, Sirius uh, uh, XM NFL Radio, Charlie Weiss is on in the morning. And uh, he came right out and and blistered the Eagles today a couple of times about the way that they've handled this uh, uh, Carson Wentz situation, about that they're not building uh, building him up uh, and, you know, how he's looking to get uh, a big uh, payoff, which he's not going to get. He thinks he's going to get, like, with the Stafford deal. That ain't going to happen, I don't think. And I was just wondering what your opinion is. I mean, you know, I heard the uh, morning show this morning, and, uh, you know, I'm not a Howie Roseman fan. I never have been. But I was wondering, you know, your opinion. You're, you're, you're involved with the Eagles during the season. Uh, and, you know, what's, what's your opinion of this whole thing? Well, it's really been a botched-up mess, to be honest with you. If you're going to make a move, you've got to make it pretty quickly right after the season. If you're convinced that Carson Wentz is not your answer, you don't string them along and wait to the, hire the new head coach. If you're going to be proactive, and we saw Jalen Hurts take over, and the team responded to him, and they mm-hmm. weren't responding to Carson Wentz. And, of course, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman were so convinced he was the franchise. And a lot of people came out and said they gave him preferential treatment, the Eagles organization. And that's felt mm-hmm. by the players in the locker room. I don't care what anybody says. When, when you're giving one player preferential treatment, that's bad. And when you have a picture 
of Carson Wentz in your office. I'm talking about Howie Roseman. That, that's that's juvenile, in my opinion. You have to have a yeah. picture of the Super Bowl team. That's all. You don't need individual pictures, all right? Uh, if you want a gallery, have a gallery at home, but not in your office. And, You're right. You know, they, they, they were convinced that he was the franchise. And when they gave him that mega deal, I even said to a number of people, I have to see it before I believe that he is a franchise quarterback. A franchise quarterback puts the team on his back like Tom Brady does, like Aaron Rodgers does. They put their team on his back and carry them to championships. Now, Rodgers has only won one, but that's one more than Carson Wentz has won. Now, people say, well, he got him in position to win a Super Bowl. We don't know if he would would have performed at that level in the Super Bowl, all right? Or even prior mm-hmm. to the, in, in the playoffs. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks about Carson Wentz. I mean, the injuries have caught up to him. I mean, that, that look, the Cleveland Browns were laughed at when they said we didn't have him as a top 20 pick. Maybe the Cle- Cleveland Browns were 100% right in their evaluation mm-hmm. of Carson Wentz. All right? So, moving forward, if the Eagles get a late second-round pick, Howie Roseman should get down on his hands and knees and say, thank God. Because, again, if you look at the landscape, with the, with the draft coming up, with a number of quarterbacks in there, uh, Mariota's available, Derek Carr's available. We saw the Stafford-Goff deal. Sam Darnold could become available. I mean, this is not a great year uh, to trade a quarterback because of the glut of quarterbacks that are on the market. I agree with you 100%. Billy, uh, when you talk about that unity in the clubhouse, that was one of the things that uh, Bruce Arias talked about following the game, that this is the uh, number one group of athletes he's ever had in working together. And, of course, he reiterated that many times at the parade today and talked about what they had to sacrifice with the virus, not being able to practice, no preseason games, and all the things they had to do to come together to be the kind of team they were on Sunday. And that's exactly what you're talking about with the Eagles. They went in just the opposite direction. Yep. And the thing is, after the game, uh, Bruce Arians made it a point that he said Tom Brady related to players on offense and defense. I'm not saying you have to be the – Tom Brady's not a rah-rah guy, all right? He's a very, very cerebral quarterback. And he, he looks at the situation, but he knows how to relate with his teammates. He makes guys work harder because he works harder. And, and guys feed off of that. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz didn't work hard. But, I mean, let's even get back to the last year with the Alshon Jeffrey situation when that came out. And, you know, he favored uh, one or two receivers on the team. He alluded to Zach Ertz. And, and when you saw Foles in that Super Bowl run distributing the football to everybody, everybody's got to be involved in your offense. You can't depend on one guy all the time as they did with Zach Ertz that one year, 116 receptions. Uh, you know, you've you got to feed the ball to other players. And, and Wentz had a tendency to just lock in on, on, on Zach Ertz, and that was it. Frank, a comment? Yeah, Billy, I was, I was 
<clears throat> excuse me. Earlier, I was reading the um, the Inquirer, uh, and they were talking about what a what a, a horrible thing it would be to get rid of Wentz at this point in time, uh, both for his career and for the the, uh, the team. Um, my question, I guess, is Howie Roseman has not had a Pro Bowler <laughs> in I think nine years. Nineteenth uh, uh, at uh, two thousand and fifteen was his last Pro Bowler. Yeah, yep. and, and yeah, he keeps his job. I, I don't understand. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why he keeps his job. Because he's so close with the owner. The owner leans on him for all the information. He sits with the owner during every game, which is dangerous. And I've said this many, many times to people. A good general manager is sitting with his personnel people. Not with the owner and his wife in the box. They're evaluating not only their team, but evaluating the other team that's playing you. Is this guy a free agent? Do you think we'd have interest in him? Would he fit our our uh, our our uh, profile that we're looking for? But you know, again, Howie Roseman, as long as Jeffrey Lurie has the total confidence in Howie Roseman, this team is going nowhere. I'll go back to one draft in particular, 2012, and Roger and Don remember this. Danny Watkins, a bust. Jaquan Jarrett, a bust. Curtis Marsh, a bust. One, two, three in the draft. That's abysmal when you draft like that. I mean, next year, next year, I expect from this draft class at least five or six guys contributing and not just on special teams, fighting for a starting job. If that doesn't happen, you haven't done your job. Billy, you're a lot closer in Philadelphia than I am, and and Roger is. But, uh, you know, we've heard about Chicago. We've heard about – what's the picture in Philadelphia? How many teams do you see even having an interest in him at this point? I think it's Chicago. Indianapolis has a great great deal of interest in him because Frank Reich really uh, was his his uh, the, his quarterback mentor. guru in Philadelphia uh, and mentor as Roger mentioned and Press Taylor has gone to Indianapolis as well but they're, they they have the Eagles over the barrel right now these teams uh, Howie Roseman can throw out all these rumors he wants about I want a number one pick. He's going to be lucky to get a number two pick, a second-round yeah. pick for Carson Wentz because his value, has, his value has gone down the tubes, all right? It's really gone down the tubes. Had, had the worst year of any quarterback in the NFL last year, got benched, did not play in the last four games, and you just look at this and you have to say to yourself, nobody's going to give you a high or a mid-round, first-round pick, and they're they're not going to do that. And Howie Roseman is is delirious or delusional. And, of course, Wentz has made no secret of it. He doesn't want to play in Philadelphia. He doesn't want to compete for the job. So Roseman's backed into a corner right now. He better be like Rodini. (laughs) Go ahead, Bill. No, you're right. He ought to be like Udini. Well, that's that's the problem. I said earlier in the season that, you know, everybody was talking about he's going to be gone, how he's going to be gone. 
I said, no, no, Howie's not going to be gone because he and Laurie are connected at the hip. And you're just like you hit the nail on the head about it. And as Charlie Weiss said today, I thought it was really interesting that, like I said, I think I mentioned earlier, he said that they have handled this situation the worst possible, uh, uh, the handling of it in the free world. That was his quote, basically. And that is, I mean, they just. They haven't handled it right at all. Well, again, I'm going to get back to a situation earlier this year when Zach Ertz turned down a contract extension. As soon as Zach Ertz turned down that contract extension, I'd have been on the phone to 31 other teams, and there was a couple of deals in place that really would have upgraded this Eagles football team. But Howie was reluctant to make the move. Howie is is not the type of deal maker that you want. He's a lawyer by trade. Yeah, he learned the personnel end of the NFL, but it, you have to have years of experience. I go back to George Young and Bill Polian, right. Tom Donahoe, uh, right. John Butler, people like that. Uh, they they had an eye for talent. They had a feel for the game. Bobby Beathard. They had a feel for the game. This guy doesn't have a feel for the game. And you you could just listen to him on the radio or TV. He makes these comments, and I'm just saying, do you really know the game? And I'll be honest, I've done a lot of college football games, and Roseman's been there for a number of years. I never saw Howie Roseman at a game. He believes in video scouting. No, no, no. If you're going to scout, if you're going to scout the top 120 players, you've got to go out on the road and eyeball these guys and find out. And you have to go to the, the colleges around the Philadelphia area, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Make your presence known at Widener or make your presence known at Westchester. Make mm-hmm. your presence known at Penn. Talking to people, you think this guy can play at the next level. That is a good general manager, leaving yeah. no stone unturned. Follow, well, really, let's, switch, let's switch gears before we have to go. And, and yes, we've, we've pretty much exhausted the Philadelphia Eagles of where they're going to go right now. How about the Philadelphia oh, no. Phillies? Oh, boy. Well, let, me, let me say this, Don. Pitching, pitching, pitching is the name of the game. And if if you want to compete in that division, look at Washington. They're loaded in the starting staff. The Mets are loaded, and they've really added some offensive uh, pieces to the puzzle. You look at the Miami team, which is on the come right now. They've got a lot of young talent, and you got Atlanta as well. Their pitching has got to carry them. I mean, how many games did they blow last year because their bullpen after the seventh inning just imploded. I mean, this is the key to this team. If this team can't fix the bullpen, and look, they they signed Matt Moore from the uh, the Japanese league, and they're, they're going to bring a couple more veterans in. But after Nola and Wheeler and Eflin, you got some big big question marks on this staff. I don't know why they re-signed Vince Velasquez. I don't understand that at all. Unless yeah, they, they they have designs on making him a relief pitcher, but I don't know if he has that makeup to be a relief pitcher. So the, the, this this club 
right now, in my opinion, they can score runs, but they can't, they can't prevent the other team from scoring runs. I mean, when you look at the Dodgers, if this Bauer deal goes over, the, the Dodgers will have six starting pitchers. Six! Wow. All right? The Roger, Yankees I mean, will have six yeah. starting pitchers. Well, we, uh, well, we're lucky well, to have three. You're, well, you're exactly right. And, and they are. And, and lucky is the right word, Bill. What about, let's talk about the 76ers and also the Flyers and, and uh, get your input on them. Well, the Sixers are a, a very good team. I think Doc Rivers has brought a certain attitude, like Elaine Vigneault has brought an attitude to the Flyers, and you need that. I mean, last night they went out to Sacramento. They won that game. They have a daunting task tomorrow night against Portland. And Saturday they got Phoenix, and they had a very, very difficult matchup on Monday. If they come back 2-2 two and two on this road trip, I will be very, very satisfied. That will be a good road trip for the Sixers. And you look at Dwight Howard, what contributions he's made coming off the bench. He's the perfect backup. For Joel Embiid, I think last night combined, they had 33 points and like 19 or 20 rebounds and about eight assists. That that speaks volumes. If you can get that production out of the center position, uh, that's important. And the other guy is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, I wish he would just pull up every once in a while and hit that 15-foot jumper. I don't need him shooting threes. Just pull up and attempt the 15-foot jumper. That's all I'm asking. Not asking for the world. You mentioned the Flyers. They're getting Couturier back. That That's a real shot in the arm. I, I think the Flyers are going to be right there at the end battling for the Eastern Conference. Then of course, they got to get by Boston because Boston has their number right now. But I, I'm telling you, and I don't think the Flyers have played their best game yet. And, and that's what's very, very interesting with this team. Yeah, they got better in Last year. Go ahead, Tommy. Hey, Billy, but you got a team down here in Tampa Bay that's won seven games in a row. and uh, They're very the good. Tampa Bay is outstanding, an outstanding yes. team. I mean, mm-hmm. you're right. They, 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 it, 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 that would be an interesting matchup, the Flyers and Tampa Bay in Ooh, the Eastern Conference Finals. Absolutely. You look at Tampa. You look at the Rays. You look at the Buccaneers. You look at the Lightning. All right? Not bad. Not bad at all. But, of course, you don't have an NBA team. you got the Orlando Magic, which is right down the road. But uh, uh, three out of the four teams, all these teams are competing at a very high level. But the one thing about Tampa, I could not believe they traded Blake Snell to the Padres. I was flabbergasted. I know they didn't want to pay him big money. You know, this is the one thing about – Rob Happy Manford. This shouldn't be allowed. This shouldn't be allowed because we got to pay a player money. You know, I know they have a great farm system, but you know these people in Tampa have spent their hard-earned money, and I can see why the that what that they will turn their back on that franchise. You can't get rid of a player of that ilk because we can't sign him. He was still under contract for two years. What is right. going on down there? 
Oh, you just well, they named it. They don't want to so pay. Off. They don't want to pay, Billy. They haven't paid well, you know, for years on there. They've been fortunate enough. As you mentioned, they've had a great farm system. They've had a great series of general managers. They've had a great feeding system over the last eight or nine years. And one's been more successful than the next right up into the World Series of this year. And uh, that's the way it's going. Now, whether it's going to continue to go that way, now that they're really cutting back, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. But going back to the Phils for one second, Bill, if you don't have one stopper in the bullpen, I don't say you have to have five stoppers, but you got to have one guy that you know that you can bring into the eighth or ninth inning that's going to win this game for you. And they don't have Absolutely. anything close to that. No, they don't. They do not. And you have to be strong up the middle. They have a good catcher. There's the jury's still out on Scott Kingry at second base. All right. Now with D.D. Gregorius re-signed, where does this leave Segura? I know they try to move him this this winter. And then you have center field. You have Roman Quinn. You got Adam Hazley. I don't want to see Kingry play center field. He's an infielder by nature. I mean, that's the big problem. I mean, the kid's an infielder, not a center fielder. And if you don't have a strong center fielder, I remember when they traded Willie Montanez for Gary Maddox, and he solidified that defense. Oh, did he ever. And the other thing is the Mets are in the same position. They're still saying they're going to sign Bradley. Well, we'll wait and see. Bradley, uh, I don't know what he's asking for in the free agent market, but he's one of the few really legitimate good center fielders out there right now. And uh, the Mets need him desperately, but you're right. The Phillies need somebody in center field just as desperately. Absolutely. And, and remember, McCutcheon's getting a lo- little long in the tooth. Who's going to be your left fielder after next year? Mm-hmm. Great question. Great, yep. great question. I always have, now, now, you talk about paying. Don Henderson has never reached in his pocket for any check. Any check that comes, Don Henderson <laughs> oh. takes the Fifth Amendment. Well, the only reason, for, the only reason for that, Billy, is every time you give me a check for being on your show, it bounces. <laughs> There's no sense reaching in my pocket to get the check out. What I do is, when you give it to me, I take it home and I burn it because of, you know, okay. if I need some firewood for the winter time to get, I use that. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, guys, I really enjoyed it. Thank, thank you very much. All right. Hey, Phil, thank you're you, in the Billy. Best. We love you. Billy, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Take care, plugger. Talk to you tomorrow, Doc. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay. (laughs) He's the best. He's the best. Great guy. Great guy. And I'll tell you, nobody nobody works harder in the Philadelphia market than Billy Wardell. I mean, his his show with the guests he had, with the work he puts into that, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's really nice to see when somebody really does a good job and really works at it. Because we have so many people now in this business that they don't, they just don't work at it. I mean, they, they, hmm? they, you don't even know if what they write is true. I mean, it's it's terrible. <laughs> That's right. That's Tommy, right. you got you got them right there, Tommy. Same thing in Tampa Bay. I mean, these you know they, these guys, new guys covering hockey for God's sake, and like you don't know how these guys and these guys doing the sports, they, they, you know they're. The, the young kids come out of broadcast school. They don't do your homework. All you do your homework, you read the media guides, the game notes, and ask the, the, the good questions. But these guys go on and on and on. And like, you know, I sort of turn off the 
usually they just want to sort of turn off the TV and just listen, listen to the diff, different other sportscast guys, but it's just going to be it's funny enough there. But but no, Roger did not t- even turn on the parade <laughs> or watch the parade. But I played golf with played golf with Bobby the Chief Tail. He's coming on next week. So it's Rick Beckham coming on. And Donnie said hello well, Tommy, to The thing is, Tommy, that you also have to throw in here is uh, we've been working with Roy how many for how many years now? Maybe four or five years we were working when he was when he was on the yes. beat for the for the Buccaneers, he was also on the beat yes. for the Lightning. You can't yes. tell me that there's not somebody in the Tampa Bay area that could hire him to cover the the Lightning. I mean he knows more about the Lightning from the day one until the present day. Yes. And because their newspaper shut down, you're going to tell me right. that there's not a paper in Tampa Bay in the area that could hire Roy Cummings to be their beat writer for the for the Lightning? Exactly. Actually, That's he does much better uh, financially with uh, doing what he is, uh, Don. He's got he's, he's right? got a wonderful mind. Yeah, he is a great mm-hmm. he's a great sports uh, uh, commentator and and sports analyst, especially if you watch him on uh, Bay News Nine. Um, yes. But uh, his his position right now is he's able to be not only be the managing editor, but he's also out helping the guys get the sales. So he's in, he's really enjoying the uh, the life that he's got. We we well, talked about great. this uh, off the air. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just glad to hear that because he his heart and soul was in the in the sports business from a newspaper standpoint. With the Lightning and also, they say, with the Bucks from day one. And uh, there weren't too many people that would work as hard as he does day in and day out. No. I'm assuming he does the same thing with the new job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good man, good hard worker. Hey, we guys forgot to say congratulations to goes to John Lynch in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thanks, Ira Kaufman. He had to speak that speech Ira on one Saturday. About- on tonight, but he he had, a, had a previous engagement, but he said he, he would come next week if we need him. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting, as I said earlier, uh, to hear what he had to say. As uh, uh, even though the the meeting was actually a Zoom meeting this year, wasn't in the yeah. wasn't in a particular room like it always is, but still he had to get a feel for what was going on. And I know he was uh, uh, really on the bandwagon for Lynch. He talked about mm-hmm. the number of times he was on the right up to the cusp and didn't make it. And uh, how important it was for him to make it this time around, and uh, so it would be great to talk to Ira next week. And I know he talks a lot on uh, with uh, Mad Dog on on uh, uh, Sirius XM. Roger probably hears him once. Well, I don't know if he said anything. Uh, yeah, I heard him a lot. Yeah. Did he did he say anything about uh, Lynch or about uh, the Hall of Famers? Well, you know, I haven't I haven't heard it since uh, uh, since the Super Bowl. Uh, but he was on last week, and, of course, just like he told us, uh, you know, he sworn to secrecy, okay? And then when you see on Saturday, you know, uh, Saturday night during the uh, NBC Awards, which, as I said, I think was an absolute disgrace, an awful show, very not uh, uh, really representative of the National Football League, you know. Who covered it? What channel covered it? No, it was on CBS. It's always on the oh. uh, state on the the network that has the Super Bowl, and it was okay, on nine okay. to eleven on on Saturday night, and it was awful. I mean, in my opinion, okay. 
mm-hmm. guy that opened up the show was 15 minutes. I have no idea who he was, just like you didn't know about the halftime show, Don. And and this guy, you know, we just couldn't handle him. And and uh, but then I drove uh, home, which takes me like 10, 15 minutes. And I got home, I guess about I don't know, quarter after 10, 10:30. Because then there was no sense sitting there to watch this. I I really like it when they go and introduce all the Hall of Famers at the same time. Okay? You know, one through six, whatever the case may be. And in this case, they spread it throughout, and then they waited until the the end of the show, and it was done uh, in the stadium. And it was uh, Peyton Manning, and it had uh, uh, Tony, Tony Dungy, a whole group of his coaches uh, over the years and people that have influenced him. And that was well done. And that was a great way to con- to close the show. But why not have all of the uh, Hall of Famers in a group? Like they went to Alan Fanica's uh, home, the uh, former guard, you know, with uh, Steelers and couple, uh, several teams. And I heard him mm-hmm. on the uh, on Sirius the, uh, the other day. And he was talking about how it all transpired. And they had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they had gotten his wife to uh, have him in, in another room. And they had, uh, you know, neighbors come so that when David Baker came to the front door, it's going to be a surprise. Well, if you look at Alan Fanica now, you would never think that he was ever a guard in the uh, in the league because, he's, mm-hmm. you know, Trent looks totally different than you and I are used to a guard, but you know, I knew the name, but I, I had no idea of his uh, hall of fame credentials, but since then, I totally agree. I mean, he's got tremendous uh, hall of fame credentials, but you know, offensive linemen, you don't think that much about. And, right. um, well, let's switch again. Yeah. Blake Simsack is on the line, uh, Roger to uh, jump in. And uh, I know he wants to Good. tell us about that flyer Washington game five to two over the weekend. And uh, tell us a little about the, that Washington hockey team, and uh, we were talking hockey a little bit earlier tonight. Mike, nice to have you back with us. We'll talk soccer, we'll talk football, but I want to know about that Flyer-Washington game first. That game was crazy. Um, You know, whatever hoodoo the Flyers have right now over the Washington Capitals, um, I would like to see Jeff Laurie and um, Howie Roseman go – and get a bottle of it because the over the course of the last year, like the Flyers have just basically owned them. Um, a game in which they were outshot and Ovi got two early goals, you would kind of figure uh, that they would be in, you know, in rough shape. But Vignola pulled some strings and they came back. And so what? This is the uh, I, I gotta believe the third consecutive regular season game, if you will. Yeah, the third consecutive regular season game that the Flyers have scored at least uh, five goals against the Caps. Um, they're just, they just have their number right now. Hmm. Well, Tommy, uh, Tommy, you're, the, you're our hockey expert. Go to it. Well, it's, well Mike, to, to play the Tampa Bay Lightning without Nikita Kuchos been fantastic. Everybody on that team stepping up the Anthony Sorelli stepping up. Uh, I mean, you know, Stammer's having another great start. You know, uh, this, the Brandon Point's still good. But, you know, when seven games in a row with this wacky hockey schedule, I mean, the Lightning is playing 
some great hockey right now without Kucherov on the power play, exactly. But Stamkos right now, everybody, he's healthy. He's back to the Stamkos we know several years ago, and it's, it's great. And I think the Lightning's the favorite to win another cup in a row right now. That's what they're that's what the plan here is in Tampa. Get these guys winning cup number one and get cut cup number two under their belt. Yeah, the Caps have had a couple of games, though. The, the Caps have been struggling either because of them or opponents with getting games postponed for COVID. So, you, you know, the right. Flyers had their outbreak with uh, Claude Giroux and a couple of other guys, which caused their game over the weekend, and it'll cancel their game on Sunday or postpone. The um, Caps had a break early this season. Now they're, they're going to be off. Um, I think the problem is for the for these – as this continues to occur, and, you know, let's be honest, I don't think that we're really going to get – it'll be like April-May time frame, I think, before we're looking at a break in this of any sort, and that's being optimistic. Uh, you feel like these games are going to pile up so that they could be playing, you know, three, four, five games in a week. And what is that mm-hmm. going to do for player rotation? You know, I don't know if the Bucks have uh, or the uh, Lightning have faced that, but it's certainly uh, become an issue for the Caps right now. Ooh. Roger? Wow. I was just looking at the uh, Bruins uh, Rangers. They're tied at one at uh, the end of two. And, uh, Mike, uh, uh, getting off the uh, subject a little bit of hockey, uh, the what's going on uh, with the Redskins? I know there's uh, been some additional – um, management addition or uh, several management additions, I should say. Uh, and uh, what do you think? Are they uh, positive moves? Well, it is clear that uh, that 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 Ron Rivera is in the uh, in charge of the football side of the organization, but he's not uh, somebody who wants to specifically. Uh, negotiate contracts and, and that sort of stuff. So it was part of the, the, there's guys that he wanted to bring in uh, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney coming in a, as um, general manager and executive vice player of, of personnel. Um, those it, it's a team. Um, Ron was instrumental. Ron definitely had a say in, in those two choices. Right, I, I believe that he uh, he had worked with Herney before, either Herney or, or yeah, he, he I think he's worked with Herney before, or so he he's familiar. Yeah, I with think them. you're right. Yeah, yeah. So he's coming in, and these are guys that he trusts. They're going to handle the, the salary cap, you know, run the scouting network, and send those guys out, negotiate the contracts, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to you know, setting the draft board, uh, identifying free agent targets, um, set, deciding what, control of, of the roster, you know, who, who should be retained, who should be cut. I think that ball is solidly in Ron Rivera's court. For example, they just announced the uh, re-signing of uh, Tyler Heineke, the kid who started the last game in the playoff game for them, two years, eight point. Seven five eight point two five million with some uh, bonuses, potential bonuses in there for games started. I don't think this is a move that gets made without uh, Ron Rivera saying, like, I want this guy on this team. We're going to keep this guy. Uh, what that means for 
uh, Alex Smith remains to be seen. You know, if the Redskins are going to go and make a trade for a quarterback or, or, or that sort of stuff, that doesn't get done without Ron's blessing. But it's certainly up to uh, Herney and Mayhew to go out and say, okay, here's, here's what the contract is going to be. Here's what the salary cap situation looks like is going to be they're going to be the ones working the phone for trades to see what they can get back and, and then ron will probably have fire final say on yay or nay i just think that ron wants and probably rightly so some distance in between the more business side of the game and the uh x's and o's mike let's get to your belly work which is soccer and uh, you've covered around the world uh, certainly in the area, and uh, every time we talked in the last uh, three, four weeks, we, we talked about MLS and uh, how they were at the edge of disaster. How about updating us on what's happening there? Because it affects a lot of uh, cities, including Philadelphia, including Florida. Uh, so give us a little update on MLS at the moment. Well, they did get – I was surprised, but they did get the uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, through. It'll go until uh, 2027. So that's two years after, you know, in essence, a year, 18 months, it'll expire after the uh, World Cup. Uh, That's a big big move. That's a big move. It's a long one. The the, the ownership got, I would say, pretty much everything that they wanted. Um, In addition, they got relief. They had originally agreed to uh, 25% of the television contract for the players. Uh, that got halved to 12.5 until the last two years. Um, it's worth noting because um, the current deal, the current TV contract expires in 2023, and then with the World Cup coming up in 2026, you can please, you can believe that the owners are not gonna are going to negotiate a TV rights deal that expires before the World Cup because they're going to want all of that post World Cup attention that's going to be a ratings bonanza. So they're going to want to capitalize on that. And the players won't get another crack for another year at it. Um, the owners got to keep the uh, force majeure clause. So there is a likelihood if, as um, Dan Garber says, they lose another billion dollars because of how long they can, can't have fans in the stadium. The owners could on March 1st of, or I'm sorry, December 1st, of 2021 go back to the players and say, you know, we want to do this again for a fourth time in two years. Uh, the players did get, uh, sal- they didn't have to uh, have their salaries cut this year or next year. That was a big one for them. But all told over the course of the last 18 months, the players have given up something like $250 million in concessions to uh, the owners. Roger. Well, when I say uh, a big amount, Mike, uh, that they've uh, given in. Uh, but I was encouraged that uh, they have signed the uh, CBA and, and are moving forward. And um, does, is that, does that mean that now uh, the uh, teams will start uh, their uh, spring training, you know, in a, in a month or six weeks? Yeah, you know, all signs point to the April 17th start that they uh, that they promised us. We're going to have some motion with preseason and training camps getting started. I think that the CBA being signed 
you know, it now tells the teams what their spending is going to be. You may see some more player moves. Uh, for example, the union has been oddly silent this year in terms of player acquisitions. They lost two big pieces in Mark McKenzie and Brandon Aronson uh, in January, and they haven't really made any moves to replace them. They've signed a couple of re-signed a couple of players to contract extensions and made a couple of trades for allocation money. But as far as bringing new people in, they haven't done any of that. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll start to see some more player moves. Most of the moves in MLS across the board have been players leaving and going to Europe, either on permanent deals or temporary deals, you know, like Jordan Morris from the Seattle Sounders. But there hasn't been a lot coming in. Uh, I think that was something to do with the the, uh, the CBA. But they're going to get their final rosters set up. Um, the, the union announced tonight that they will be playing uh, Saprissa from Costa Rica in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. So that's like the uh, regional tournament for the best teams. It's the first time that the union have appeared. So that'll be interesting to watch in April. And with having to play those extra games and, you know, potentially traveling to Costa Rica, um, then in April, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to want to have some more players. So it'll be interesting to see if we start to see any movement. But I would expect that, you know, uh, late March, early April, uh, you guys start to see some of the teams back down in Florida for the preseason tournaments and uh, training camps like you do every year. Sally? Oh, yeah, it's, just, it's a great thing about the, uh, MSL getting that player agreement because it's going to affect, like, they're trying to create soccer in the United States, and they've got the great major markets up there, and then I'm glad that I'm glad they, the players got that together with, with the union and that and the ownership right there. But that's, that's wonderful to hear. What about the Tampa Bay Rowdies in their league? Is that still strong, Mike, in, in your opinion? I mean, it, it, will it still be played? Yes. It took a major, major, major hit at the end of last year when uh, they had to – the Tampa Bay Rowdies were supposed to host a championship game against uh, the Red Bulls developmental team. And they had to cancel mm-hmm. it because of COVID. I think right. the fact that so many MLS teams, almost all of them, have uh, affiliates, junior, minor league teams, developmental teams that play in the USL Pro League with teams like the Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, it's, the league is going to continue to play even if it's not um, 100% profitable. It's funny, I was talking to a guy who's uh, a senior at uh, General Dynamics, and we just happened to get onto it, and he was talking about, um, he knows that I'm a soccer fan, and somehow it came up, and all of a sudden he was like, yeah, you know, oh, we were talking about the fact that Tampa had had, um, you know, the the Bucks, the Lightning, the uh, um, Rays all in the championship series, and I mentioned that, you know, the Rowdies would have been there had they been able to play, and he was just mm-hmm. gushing over uh, Al Lang Field and how much he loved it, how much he thought that was a great setup and how much he enjoyed. And here's a guy who doesn't watch a ton of soccer. Like, he's not a huge soccer fan, but he was absolutely loving um, Al Lang Field and the atmosphere there. So there's really, I say that to say, there's really something there. And, uh, you know, as long as the community is able to support it, I don't see any reason why we can continue. Um, so, 
there's a reason to get it up and going. I haven't seen a schedule, though, be released yet for uh, USL, so I'm not quite 100% sure when that league's going to restart and what their protocols are. Mike, before Mike, we leave, uh, let, go ahead, Roger. No, I was just going to ask Mike if he's ever had uh, – I know you uh, tried to get Mike Conti, the voice of the uh, Atlanta United, on, and I was wondering if you ever was successful. And uh, if not, uh, with the advent of the season coming up, uh, maybe – and now that I'm down here, maybe we can get Mike on with you some uh, uh, Wednesday night. No, I haven't had a chance. I haven't been able to get him on. Uh, we, uh, we switched formats, so we're not on blog talk anymore. But we, you, you, you can catch us on uh, YouTube and on podcasts. It's the Too Many Guys Soccer Show. We do it on Mondays. Uh, complete and total blast if you have two hours to blow on the worst soccer show in podcasting. But we, we, we have a lot of fun, and we'd love to have Mike on uh, sometime. Yeah, you, if you can get him on. If you can get him on here or there, yeah, we'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Mike, let's uh, let's switch uh, let's switch back to baseball for a minute. Uh, the Nationals uh, give us a little bit of uh, how they stand. Uh, any uh, major changes on the horizon? Any rumors in Washington D.C. about uh, what's going to happen there, and and how how do you evaluate where they are right now? It really is just status quo. I think they're just making some minor moves to shore up the uh, the bullpen. There's not a lot of wiggle room, you know, after Juan Soto, that farm system was really depleted. It, it, it was, it had some really good prospects, but those are all at the minor league, at the major league level now. So there's not a lot in the farm system. So they don't have a lot of um, trade bait. Um, they're kind of up against it with the luxury tax and, and, and the salary cap, even with the uh, Strasburg contract, and with uh, Scherzer needing a new deal, uh, I think they're going to look for lower-priced free agents. Um, they're hoping, for instance, that having Ryan Zimmerman back, uh, who opted out of the season last year, having him back will kind of fill the uh, will boost the offense. The big issue that they had last year was it just didn't seem like anybody in the lineup outside of uh, Soto and Michael A. Turner could hit. And they were really missing Rendon. I think they imagine if you can get Zimmerman back, even if it is in a limited capacity, that his battle helped them out. And I think that was what they identified as their biggest their biggest um, need. It's kind of like if we can keep everybody healthy, we still have Scherzer, we still have Corbin, we still have Strasburg. Um, we're going to bolster our bullpen, and then you know if we can get all the players hitting. We can get an MVP caliber season from Juan Soto. We can get Michael A. Turner to do what he did again. They think that they're going to be competitive in the uh, in the NL East. Uh, and to be honest, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, the Braves, we know what they are. As much as we want to talk about the Mets and how they've loaded up, I say this every year around this time. The Mets are still the Mets. Like, we've been saying this about the Mets for a generation. They, they're going to find a way to Mets it up. We don't know what the Phillies are, and the Marlins should be improved, but I don't think they're on the same level as the, the Nats are. The Nats are saying, me, like, they feel like they're a playoff team. Let me, let me throw this out to everybody because I saw the list today. 
Uh, they're going to start uh, spring training on the 17th. And, and, but I saw the list of how they're going to try to uh, combat the virus, uh, what the protocol is going to be, uh, what, they, what do some of you folks think about. Uh, they're going to have you know, electronic bracelets on so that they know where they are, whether they've gone anywhere, with what they're doing, and uh, suspensions or fines are going to be put into effect. Uh, they're going to try to keep a very close tab on not only spring training, but on the entire baseball front, even when the season starts. Uh, well, what do you guys think about that? Well, I'll tell you, Don, I heard today, uh, this morning on the WIP Morning Show, Ricky Ricardo, you know, who does the uh, Spanish broadcast of the Yankees, and, and he also does the Spanish broadcast of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he was uh, lives in Florida now, and he was saying that they're going to be grouping like the Yankees are going to be playing the Phillies a lot. The Tampa, the uh, uh, Toronto is going to be playing the teams that are in that area. There'll be no Correct. traveling across the state uh, or anything mm. like that. And of course, he's uh, John Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman will not be down doing the Yankees, and uh, Ricky's going to be doing the uh, Yankee spring training games. So uh, that's one of the, the ways that they're going to combat it. But I haven't heard about having the uh, bracelet on, you know, for tracking or anything like that. Uh, maybe, you know, one of you other fellows have. I hadn't heard of anything like that. But if you remember back to the beginning of the season when, you know, what, the Marlins lost a dog on near a month. And some right. other teams lost some significant playing mm-hmm. time because of uh, COVID outbreaks and being unable to get them under control and, Major League Baseball was really in a situation where they were looking at the fact that they were going to have teams that just didn't complete the season. Right? I think there may have been some games that just weren't played. And, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution if it means, you know, kind of increasing contract tracing and knowing where the players are. You know, what it seems to me what they're saying is we're not going to put you up in a bubble, which would probably be the best idea, and you guys have demonstrated that we we need that. We're not going to put you in the bubble environment. We're going to let you, you know, be out and about, but we're going to have some enhanced procedures for keeping track of you because we did have these issues last year, and we don't want to have them this year. And also there's well, a couple of things, too, that have not, have not happened. One, uh, the Player Association Agreement is not – they still don't know if they're going to have the designated hitter in the National League, which is still, you know, affecting who's signing free agents where and what positions. Uh, that hasn't been settled yet. Uh, they are going to have spring training, as they say, starting on the 17th down here. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, they're going to play a 162-game schedule like they would normally do it. So, there's, boy, there's a lot to be talked about. Yeah, one one of the suggestions that I heard, I know uh, Don and I have both had uh, the first uh, uh, vaccine 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 shot, uh, and then I get the second uh, March 9th. And uh, what one of the suggestions, which to me uh, possibly uh, may come to fruition, uh, is that the uh, uh, athletes uh, get the Johnson and Johnson. A vaccine because that's going to be 75% effective, but it's one yeah. shot. And I guess that's going to come out fairly soon. So when you think about it, if you gave it to the uh, 20, 30 year olds, 
uh, they're they don't when they get it they usually don't get it as like older people do and and it, maybe that's uh, a way to go i just heard tonight or i think it was on cbs uh evening news that 10% of the population has gotten the first uh injection and uh you know so that's encouraging when you think about well, it well i think it's very Roger, i think it's very important and i, I can't understand why I would think all the professional teams, regardless of which sport it is, I mean, hockey had a great run during the playoffs and, and the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and working in the bubble. But you can't work in a bubble, you know, two, three years in a yeah. row. I, I would think no. it would be imperative for the commissioner of baseball, base, basketball, that every player, uh, I mean, you can't make them get it, but make it available and suggest that every player get it before the, uh, the 1st of March. I think the problem with that, though, is the optics. For example, up in here in Maryland, uh, we are having a hard enough time getting teachers vaccinated. Like we can't get the teachers to get the vaccine. If all of a sudden everybody on the Nats was vaccinated, the optics of that are going to play really, really poorly. You know, oh, well, you, you don't have enough of the vaccine to ensure that the teachers get it and you want to reopen schools. But you want to make sure that the Nats and the uh, and the uh, Capitals get it. So that but they Mike, there's going to be a big influx. I mean, I know down here in Florida, uh, you know, we've now got uh, Publix. Uh, I can't tell you exactly how many how many uh, Publix and the, the drugstores are getting it now. Uh, I would say within the next 30 days, the 45 days, the availability of the first shot is going to be uh, much, much, much closer to fruition than we have now. Yeah, and I think yeah, well, that happens. You're right, Don. A- you're right, because Publix and uh, the uh, Ingalls and the supermarket chains uh, here in Georgia, and I guess the similar in Florida, they took care of the nursing homes. And now right. they're in the re- getting into the retail business. And, uh, well, you know, we drove up to Tacoa yesterday, uh, and it was in an Episcopal church, and it was a, about an hour and 15, hour and 20-minute ride. Uh, but, uh, you know, got in. We had an appointment and uh, went in, and we were early. They took us in, and uh, we're out, and, and that's it. And we go back in a month for uh, uh, for the second shot. But that's why, Mike, I, I, the question I have for you is because I know how they did it in Georgia, uh, because I, I know a guy uh, – who was wife's a teacher and she got it like three, four weeks ago and he got it too, because they wanted to give the teachers families, you know, to cover them. Why is it that in Maryland that the teachers are not getting it? Because it's just a general cluster with the organization and distribution of it. Um, They're doing it mostly by counties and, um, it's just it's been a complete this vaccine rollout i would say in maryland has been pretty pretty and how well, they have handled it i'll say down here i uh, we came uh when it first started to become available i put it in tampa i put it in manatee and i put it in sarasota tampa called me first manatee called me uh six days later and on saturday of this week sarasota called my name came up in each one of those. So it's much, much more available now uh, than it was, mm-hmm. uh, say, three weeks ago. 
Yeah, we're still having some trouble, and that's why I said, like, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, with the Johnson and Johnsons, I think that it, it vaccine coming out, I think with it becoming more widely available, uh, it'll reach a point where that critical mass will be done, will be able to be vaccinated, and then it makes it more acceptable to do it. I just think right now the idea, the optics for any of saying, okay, yeah, we got to make sure that Bradley Beal gets the vaccine, but you know we've got a principal of a school that can't get it. That just plays really poorly, and I think you guys can all agree, like that story would not go over real well, and oh. the league, the league doesn't want any part of that. Mike, I agree okay. with you on that. My question is, uh, is it that, that it's lack of organization in Maryland? A friend of mine uh, who's my age. Uh, is going to get uh, his first uh, in Pennsylvania, suburban Philadelphia, a week from Saturday. But he said that in Pennsylvania, it's the worst in the country as far as uh, organization goes on the uh, distribution. Is that the way it is in Maryland? It's been bad. I mean, it's a lot on you to go out and seek all these appointments. And it's like, hey, well, I think we might have. Yeah, so did Don. Yeah, and you've got to spend like all day doing it. Um, the system. Well, no, no, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. No, you, not, you, not all day. Ooh. No, 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 you can you can you can get on the computer. You can do it in less than a half an hour. Oh no, you, I, I mean, did it. it you phone spend uh, a half son, hour. I was on the computer spend... for over an hour and forty-five minutes, and still haven't gotten one. And yeah, I, ooh, I was on this morning on the uh, on the um, public site. For an hour and forty-five minutes again. Wow. And, well, did your uh, did your were, did your application go in, or you haven't got even got your application in yet? No, the application's in. Has been in. Okay. Okay. Well, then, then you got to. A lot of it's lottery too. I mean, you don't know. But as I said, right. the three I mentioned: Tampa, Manatee down here, and Sarasota, mm-hmm. all called within the last two weeks. Uh, said my name came up and, and uh, I didn't know I don't know anybody down here so didn't have anything to do with that. But uh, Doug well, Hamilton well, is ready. To, we got to make a move on our Mike. Thank you very very much. We'll do it again next week. Mike, have a great week. Sure. You guys too. I'll try and stay out. Thank you. No. Ask Doug how much he's going to get. Yeah. Uh, right. Take care. Our PGA yeah, resident is ready to go, Doug Hamilton. Yeah. And before yeah. we start with. Uh, any particular sport? Uh, have you got any good mm-hmm. news for us, Doug? No, I'm 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 waiting. Well, I mean, I have some some irons in the fire, so to speak. But um, um, you know, Frank uh, has uh, he he gave me uh, Tony's uh, phone number that I I spoke with him today, and um, you know, so the process of networking continues. But um, you know, the the prospects of uh, the possibility, you know, speaking with Frank about the golf channel uh, would, would be very enlightening, um, and, and to do what Tony does would be would be top notch uh, for me in terms of, you know, you know, you just you just couldn't fall into a bucket and come out smelling like roses any better than that. So, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's time maybe it's time I got a break. Uh, let's see what happens. Are you well, Doug? Doug, Doug, you Tommy, go ahead. Very, Doug Wilk is very he's a great guy, great personality. He's an asset for this program every Wednesday night and and I, and I think Doug in, in the next couple of weeks you'll get a great break when the weather starts warming up mm. up there and, yeah. and people start 
you know, work, work, get out of their houses once again and mm-hmm. the vaccine. You know, you'll get it. You'll, you'll get a good job out there. You got great personality, big voice of radio. So, you know, you know. But, but the only thing I would do, Doug, is just go to these. You know, not the big stations in Baltimore, right? But the mm-hmm. surrounding stations out there, and say, well, I, was, I could do a golf show with you for every week, and you go to mm-hmm. these different golf things, be a sponsor for your for your show. You do it. That's what they do right. from know Park from nine to nine to ten or. Nine to eleven each week, and then you mm-hmm. then you spread out to other sports up there in that way. Your asset, yeah. your asset, personally in golf is not many people. I don't, I'm not sure, but they have no no golf shows down here. No local right. golf shows on radio. They used to have them, but then they all fizzled out. But that's going to be a great thing for the spring coming up up there, Doug. Mm-hmm. You'll be saying, okay, here it is. You know, here it is a new golf show. Doug Hamilton's. Uh, yeah. You say four. The name of the show would be say four. <laughs> well, you, you know what? You you could you could kill two birds with one stone and and do uh with with uh you know, Tony apparently drives around to different golf courses and and provides reviews uh of the golf courses and you can make your own your own show out of the reviews from the golf courses that you that you visited. I mean, that would be that would be ideal. You could get paid twice. That's exactly right. what he does. And uh does it very very well. In fact, uh uh, he was on with us two weeks ago. We talked about his curve schedule. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to see him on Saturday uh, of this week. And uh, you're exactly right. That's what he did. He put the radio show together. He got the TV show together. He got a TV crew, and he makes it up. And mm-hmm. then uh, he presents it to Comcast, and Comcast uh, uh, presents a show on TV. And then they they mm-hmm. uh, syndicated all around the country. So. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. It's a great, a great way to start out. Yeah, and I mean, it I, I would with love local radio. That's how we started yeah. the one local radio show. No, that's I mean, right. I, that's I would right. love to travel around and play golf and and get paid for it. That'd be great. <laughs> Roger, no, no, that's what Tommy does. Well, I was just gonna, I, I was just gonna <laughs> say uh, that uh, uh, Doug, that it, it took a lot of work. Okay. Uh, yeah. I first met Tony when he was the sports editor of the. Uh, Norristown paper the was it on the Montgomery County Times, I guess, right, Frank? Right. But uh yes. and 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 then he just has worked very hard over the years and uh he, he started doing the show. It's like on Saturday mornings and then it, it's on a station down at the Jersey Shore. Uh mm-hmm. but it just took time and then uh, the the uh, Comcast evolved. I mean Don uh, and I've watched it, he does a great show. And Don's run into him. Where was it? South Carolina, I think, last year, right, Don? And, yeah, and, and uh, uh, yes, that is what yeah, was in South Carolina. And the other thing he does, which I'm going to see if I said Saturday night, he also does a Sinatra uh, uh, restaurant, and uh, he does that at a number of restaurants and country clubs and so forth all around uh, this particular area because he now lives down here in Venice. Uh, used to let me do say up at Norristown and do everything in the Philadelphia area, but now he still does the golf show and the radio show. But he does them both from uh, from here in Venice, Florida. But he also, as I say, this Saturday night he'll be doing the uh, uh, Valentine show at uh, one of the local restaurants in the area. Mm-hmm. What is he? Does he sing or perform or yeah, what? I didn't yeah, know. He, he does, yeah, he does. Uh, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, you know the. The major ballads, uh, all the uh, that King Cole, uh, everything in that era. Holy smokes, man! There you go, Doug. 
Get those yeah, well, dulcet, that dulcet voice all set up there. Right. I think I'm, I think I'm out of that running. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, no, you're not. I'm out. No, you're not. <laughs> well, it, but I mean, it just shows you the ingenuity that he has. That uh, you know, mm-hmm. he reaches out in a number of different directions, uh, and he just uh, has just arrived really in, in Florida as a as a resident. Just bought a house down here uh, maybe mm-hmm. two years ago. And uh, uh, he does go back to Philly, but I think only you know maybe once a month, twice a month. I'm not even sure about that. But uh, mm-hmm. his residence now is in Florida, and uh, so that was just another out- outreach program that he got involved in. And he does country clubs and, as I say, local restaurants, and and uh, it's just one more mm-hmm. avenue that he uh, he has developed. Right, hey, Doug. I think I got a question for you, Doug. I, you yeah. Know, of course, I. I'm co-chairman of Dunning Christmas Fund for the golfing out there, and mm-hmm. we got an email from a, a golf company, Dixon Golf Company, looking for. I'll have to send that email to you this weekend. Okay. I got your email. Now, then you can, you know, contact that lady, some national sales representative down there. Okay. You know, to, you know contact her to, if they want to be a sponsor of your golf show. Now, I'll send that okay. to you. This this week out there, just to contact her, say that you, know, Eddie Michaels and myself, you know, for the for this for this thing, and that's the way a good way to start off. I mean, you can start off that way, then you can send mm-hmm. your show out syndicatedly to all the different radio stations, and you, you can see what you know different radio stations and that, and you can see what stations are interested up there and that, and they have one that mm-hmm. Dick's golf sponsor your radio program. You work out something that yeah. way. There's a lot all of ways right. you can work right now. Electronic. Electronic, you know, you got us for a, a reference up there, so I, th- I think sure. the, you'll be in shape. You'll be in good shape, Doug. We got a lot of faith yeah. in you, right? Well, right. I mean, you know, it's it's we're due for something here, and you know, the hardest part is just uh, you know being patient and um, you know just networking and, and doing the things that you can do to, to present yourself with an opportunity when it arises, and then just evaluate from there. Um, you know, so I, I can tell you, you know the the last three weeks or so that I've spent uh, not working have been mentally um, wonderful for me to reboot. And uh, what I can tell you is that whomever, whichever direction I go, whether it's in golf or out, uh, the individual that acquires me on their team will have a better team because of it. Um, And I I don't mean that in any other way other than, you know, I feel like I can bring a lot of um, experience, a lot of knowledge, um, you know, and, and I can make somebody some money if they want, if they want that on their team, I can do that. So, well, um, 17 years at that club stands for itself. I mean, uh, they yeah. made some switches, and, and uh, you just happened to be caught in the switch, but 17 consecutive years at the same club. Yep. And, and the reputation that you've built in that particular area uh, is going to be sure. very, very beneficial for anybody that calls for a recommendation. No question about yeah. that. Roger? Yeah, no, it's, it'll you, be a blessing. Hey, hey Doug, ha- have you looked into, um, like, the high schools in the area? Uh, colleges about uh, the uh, any mm-hmm. openings for uh, golf coaches? Well, um, I mean, I'm pretty plugged into, um, you know, not just the PGA of America, but, but you know, different job uh, search vehicles, whether it's LinkedIn or Indeed. And, and I've certainly scoured in terms of, uh, you know, jobs. Uh, keyword would be sports, um, you know, in, in a lot of those. Um, the unfortunate part about most, uh, scenarios that would involve either high school or, or college coaching, which I, 
to be honest with you, that to me, uh, that, that just, that turns my light bulb on in terms of just being able to connect mm-hmm. with, with the kids and, and to teach and mentor and, and hopefully, um, you know, have them uh, not just get better as, as whatever, you know, golfers or what have you, but uh, to make them uh, better adults and human beings as well through some of the experiences that I've shared. Um, so, but the important, the unfortunate part about that is most of those scenarios don't pay a whole lot of money. Um, you know, it's just the gratification you get obviously is, is second to none. Uh, but I hate to say it, there, there is a, an income level by which I need to, to kind of, you know, be at to be able to just, you know, pay the bills and such. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a line in the sand there for sure. Uh, so, Well, there's no question everybody has that line that they have to draw. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. Everybody but Tommy. Tommy said right. he's freelance. He doesn't worry about that money. That doesn't bother him at all. Mm-hmm. So he, he's the only one I know that doesn't have to worry about that line. <laughs> well, well, you know, Don, what I'm thinking about is that look at the guys that you know that were in the broadcasting industry and now are in the education industry. Okay, I'm thinking about Steve Highsmith at Cabrini. Okay, he was never a uh, teacher that I know of. Uh, I'm looking at Neil Hartman that was at uh, 17 and and, uh, I guess three. And I I look at he's in the the, uh, uh, education field. But that's what I meant, uh, Doug. Not Mm -hmm. that you you get a golf coach, but you get a job. Uh, uh, at the a university uh, or mm-hmm. in a uh, you know in a, in a district, it, it could be in a, sure. a government uh, uh, position, and then you would be a golf coach. But that's mm-hmm. that's what they've done, and they've gone on yeah. to great careers. Obviously, I know in Steve Highsmith and and Neil Hartman, I'm sure they were getting paid pretty well uh, in the mm-hmm. broadcasting. You would know more Don about it than me. No yeah. question. He was a he was a news anchor. Highsmith was. I worked with him for about uh, nine ten years, and he just decided to uh, uh, because of the uh, the fragility of being in the broadcast mm-hmm. business and having youngsters going to school and all. Uh, he wanted to uh, put himself in a position where he had a uh, you know a, a, a sort of an anchor type job, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was. Uh, CBS Radio in Philadelphia he was also a Channel 17 in in uh, in Philadelphia, uh, and he just decided it was time to make a a, a change. And uh, mm-hmm. because you never know when somebody's going to walk in, just like happened to you, you never know right. when somebody's going to walk in and say, you know, I'm bringing my people in here. You may have worked here five years, eight years, ten years. It doesn't make any difference. So you always have to be well, careful of that. But yeah, I mean, there was a but. Yeah, give us well, give us a little input on uh, what's going on in Baltimore and Washington now, uh, mm-hmm. sports wise. Uh, I, I know you can't be playing yeah. any golf as a PGA professional. No. Uh, you got all no. you got all the tools, but you got a lot of snow on the ground. <laughs> well, the, the the carpet in my basement uh, is running pretty fast right now, so you got to you got to nip it, you know, just so that it checks a little bit. Uh, but um, you know, sports wise. Um, you know, I, su- I suspect uh, the boys of summer in terms of the Orioles is, is something that we can look forward to and, and another year of rebuilding and, and constant improvement and growth from uh, the farm system as they continue to push uh, some of these prospects north. And, um, 
you know, continue to make deals and, 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 you know, you have a draft coming up. And so you have a little bit of hope as, as the weather would, would get a little warmer. I think from, from the football standpoint, um, I think the Ravens are in a tough situation in terms of the salary cap and, and uh, probably losing, I would say several of their key players, Matthew Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, um, they already cut Mark Ingram. Um, the latest news is their uh, right tackle, Orlando Brown, uh, which is the son of Zeus, uh, the, the guy that played for the, for the Ravens a number of years ago. But he's requesting a trade because he wants to be the left tackle, not the right tackle. Um, you know, I think you have um, a lot of roster moves that are going to get made this time of year. And, um, you know, I don't know what their plan is moving forward in terms of draft picks and, and you know, there's limited um, you know, scouting combine and, and methods by which we could we could use to, to scout these players. Um, How about their cap? How close are they to their cap? Um, you know, I, I've been to a few Caps games, you know, pre-COVID. Um, you know, no, no, no. I'm, no a, I mean, how close is the Ra- oh, are close to the Ravens to the cap? Well, Based on the projection of where they think the cap number is going to be, they're they're likely to be about fifteen under, I'd say, but somewhere between fifteen and twenty. But I don't I don't necessarily think that's enough money, even if they spread it out. Um, I mean, they franchise tagged Matthew Judon last year at fifteen million. I think he's gone because he's going to command a, a multi year deal that that somebody's going to overpay, a la green Bay backers signs Darius Smith a couple years back and, and gave him 60 or whatever million dollars. Um, so I don't think that's a possibility. Um, so their major need of edge rusher is going to get worse. Um, minus what they do in, in their version of free agency and or the draft. Um, you know, they're still in good shape with, with some of the rookie contracts. I mean, Lamar Jackson's still under contract for another, at least year. I think they probably have a fifth year option on him. Um, you know, the emergence of, of J.K. Dobbins um, allowed them to cut Mark Ingram and save some money. Um, you know, they still have some issues at receiver. Um, the back end of their secondary, I think, has they need a safety, a playmaking safety. Um, they've wrapped a lot of money up in guys like Calais Campbell, Marcus Peters, um, you know, commanding 15 plus million dollars a year. Uh, Tavon Austin hasn't played much in two or three years now because of knee injuries and they had given him a contract as a slot corner for several million dollars. So, I mean, they're going to have to make some, some heady moves here, I think, moving into it, but Eric DaCosta has been around the block and he's learned from Ozzie Newsome. And, um, you know, I believe they'll do the right thing and position themselves yet again to, to make a run next year. Um, you know, and go from there. Roger. Well, yeah, the, the, uh, I just had read about uh, Ingram, and uh, of course, I guess that didn't surprise me uh, because of mm-hmm. the uh, cap situation. Uh, but uh, you know, I'll tell you, Doug, and this is for everybody. I'm just wondering if, in the future, the it's going to be more. And the next time they get a CBA, it may they extend it to six years instead of five years? You know, with mm-hmm. the option, and it may be that uh, the day of the high-priced quarterback. I mean really high price if you know what i mean mm-hmm. where it really affects the uh the team as far as their operation goes if if, mm-hmm. if maybe they're going to change and you're going to have like more of a rotation of uh guys every five six years mm-hmm. well i, I mean, don't know you have to understand 
you have to understand, I guess, the, the lifespan of not just an NFL player or, you know, even a quarterback. But, I mean, you're, you know, in a lot of these cases, your quarterback is commanding upwards of 25, 30% of your overall salary cap. And I that's, mean, and that's, that's my point. Yes. I mean, you're, you're only from a luxury standpoint. I mean, if you, if you draft a quarterback, the likelihood of him being inserted the first year and, and, and playing and being productive is eh, 50, 50, probably maybe you can take bets on that. But, you know, the guys like, you know, Lamar Jackson's case, I mean, you know, if you get his services for four years with the fifth year option, um, I mean, you, that's your only chance to win because at the end of that, you're going to have to pay him $40 million. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. So, right. well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, you know, that, uh, Things are going to have to change, or else the parity is going to uh, the guy the ones that have the uh, thirty million dollar quarterback may not be the best team anymore. Forty million dollar mm-hmm. quarterback because they will have to c- cut back on all the well, other. Well, and, uh, pos- and not not only that, Roger, but consider this. I mean, consider um, you know a quarterback that you pay twenty, thirty, forty million dollars to that you know gets blindsided and, and blows his knee out or or something, you know catastrophic happens to him and what do you do then you know what i mean you, you're out 30 million dollars that's right you know and you know, who's your backup going to be if you're paying your starter 30 million what, what's he going to look like you know so yeah well, i mean the other I thing, there is yeah the other thing you look at is what happened here in tampa i mean we talked about it the first half hour of the show with uh, what tom brady was able to do but i mean you bring Gronk in and what they probably paid him two million or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brown, Brown, they paid a million and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of these players that were out there on the, I don't know what the, uh, uh, I, I really don't know what the top number is, but I mean they mm-hmm. brought a number of players in that, that uh, you know weren't uh, looking for big money and uh, sure. performed very well this year, but. Are they going to want to stay here for that money, or are they going to say, "Look, yeah. I'm going to play another year for somebody else"? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting scenario. I mean, I know that if you're a Tampa fan, you have uh, a really big time receiver like Chris Godwin, who's at the end of his free agency right. or his contract, rather. So, I mean, you know, do you, do you keep a guy like that? And you know, that's that's well, you're looking at twenty million. Decision. You're looking at twenty million yeah. there. You know. And, That's uh, a business decision, or, you know. Do you? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, you have an aging quarterback in Tom Brady who is under contract for one more season. Do you, I mean, do you sign him past forty four, forty five years old? And if that's the case, I mean, you're going to have to invest a lot of money in an offensive line to be able to protect protect a guy like that. It certainly changes your scheme from the standpoint of being able to run the foot and complete short intermediate passes. I mean, you know, it it it's you know one wrong decision you could take your franchise in, in the wrong direction for more than you know two three four years um you know going down that road Tommy? yeah it's the thing about that the the salary cap and all kinds of sports out there and that so but i but i i think it's a it's good for the fans to know like the fans to know that was a great super bowl great for the city of tampa making all that extra money up they're, they're great mm-hmm. to have the bucket or thing there, but you got it. But then again, they said, can Tom Brady come back and do it again? Can uh, right. the Bronx come back and do it again? That was the sure. best defense they played since 2002. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. it was, it's not ironic, guys. They played the best defense 2002, and John Lynch made the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. on the yeah. same week. You know, they, they, don't think, they don't talk about that. 
the Tampa news right now. It's just all mm-hmm. other the crap they're talking about. But I'm so proud of John Lynch. Well, we Get you know, feel. Tommy, we we could do another hour long show on that whole Hall of Fame thing because for Calvin Johnson oh, to sure. get in is is ridiculous. Uh, ahead of Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne, um, you know, and some of those guys. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, so we go back to the concept of what's the criteria, who's voting, you know what I mean, all these different – I mean, no one got into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's ridiculous. So you're telling me that there wasn't a qualified candidate? You know, I mean, and the, and the people that are making these votes, you know, they, they don't – they've never worn, you know, spikes or cleats or, you know, uniforms. I mean, they 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 they, 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 they get paper cuts, you know what I mean, sitting at their desk. I mean, these people shouldn't be voting for this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. So. Hey, Doug, hold that thought for for next yep. week. Frank gave me the tick tick clock around shot. the clock. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Doug, thanks <laughs> for coming on. Always a pleasure. Of course. Um, Have a good week. Good luck. Yeah, good luck about that. Hope everybody has good a good time. week. Thank you, Frank. Uh, you're. We just appreciate you so much, and your family, and uh, everybody. Yes. Have a great week. God bless. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Good. All right, everybody. Frank, thank you very much. As always, another great job. Tommy, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, Don. And enjoy your show Saturday night. That should be fun. <laughs> so, well, I'd like to thank everybody for coming on, Mr. Roy Cummings and Billy Wendell out of Philadelphia and Mike Simbeck and Doug Hamilton out there. Well, these guests, they'll come on from for, for the thanks of Mr. Frank Carroll. Frank, each week, I can't thank you enough for Day in and day out, stuff which you do for this Friday program and everything. For my family, your family, oh, we got to wish everybody happy Valentine's Day coming on on Sunday night. So that that that'll be that'll be fun. If you're up there and you know if you're listening in the Tampa Bay area, come up to Mermaid's Bar and Grill. That's going to be right on US 19 Spring Hill. Big Valentine's Day dance, and also Hernando Oaks got their got their community blood drive tomorrow. If you're up in in Hernando County, listen to the Tampa Bay Market. Frank, for my family, your family, always the best, my friend. God bless. Great job. Okay, thanks, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. <clears throat> it's a very important time for, for men and women in uniform. It, we also dedicate these programs to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty, Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll. Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Gaswitz, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childer, San Diego Officer uh, Mike Hendon, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman and Officer Crispin Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogle, Longboat Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Byron Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Office, Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotlop, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, 
Lieutenant Jerry Fikes, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FTLE Special Inspector Benny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Boward. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Phil Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Bethco County Deputy uh, April Rodriguez. Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullitt, Florida Highway Patrol. And Sergeant Brian Levine, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, though you may be 10-7 at this point in time. Sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. The sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
1999's response to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you.